glad, as the song said, Thou art with me. And he said he'd never leave me, but he'd go with me all the way, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm looking for him to go with me all the way to the grave, or either all the way till Jesus comes. That's what we're looking for, and that's our blessed hope. Say so again, it is a joy to be back here tonight, and I appreciate you being here. And uh, Matt's already said the number's down a little bit, but the weather's it's kind of icky outside, and uh, probably most of us would have been comfortable staying in, staying warm, staying dry, but again, you've made your way to the house of God, and for that I'm grateful. I'm going to Psalm chapter number 117 tonight, Psalm chapter 117. We've been preaching through these Hallel Psalms on Sunday nights, and there's one left after this one, and... Uh, it has been somewhat of a challenge to preach these psalms based on the fact that every one of them are simply praising the Lord. And uh, it is difficult to preach about praise without just praising and not preaching. I do not know if that makes a lick of sense to you, uh, but when you're preaching about praising the Lord, it makes you want to just stop and praise the Lord for the good things that He's done to us and and done for us, and the last Sunday evening, that's basically what we did, uh, and we did not get completely through Psalm 116, but I felt like uh, that this is the way the Lord would have us to go this evening. Great old big long chapter. It is the shortest chapter in the Bible, and uh, it's almost in the center of the Bible. The center of the Bible uh, will be found in the next chapter in verse number eight, I do believe, if my memory serves me correctly. If you're not aware of that verse as being the very center of the Bible, it says it is better to trust in the Lord to put confidence in man. And uh, what, a, what a great center verse for us to focus attention on at times in our lives when things are going bad. It's better to trust in the Lord to put confidence in man. Nonetheless, Psalm 117 is where we'll go this evening. We'll preach what the Lord's put in our heart and we'll dismiss as soon as that ends, wherever it might be. Uh, oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise Him, all ye people. For His merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Now, if I have any volunteers to come and expound on those two verses for the next 30 to 45 minutes. <laughs> two verses, and that's where we're going to try to preach tonight. This is no different than the other psalms that we have preached. It is an exhortation. It is an exhortation to praise the Lord. It is a song that, or a psalm that is said to have been tacked on to the end of many of the lengthier psalms that they have sung, sort of like we do uh, that song Redeemed. When we sing that, we'll finish the song and then we sing about being redeemed. It is said that. Psalm 117 was oftentimes just tacked to the end of another song after they finished singing it because of its length, because of the shortness of it. I just will let you know that the value of song is certainly not dependent upon the length of the song. Uh, here we have the shortest chapter in the Bible and it carries some very, uh, some very heavy words and some very weighty words uh, for you and I to latch hold to and to try to apply, apply to our lives. He began simply by saying, oh, praise the Lord. Say, preacher, that's not much different than all these other psalms we've been 
reading that it is not. And I would, I would call you, as the psalmist has, to praise the Lord. Where this psalm changes and differs uh, from the other psalms is in the next uh, phrase that he uses. Praise the Lord, what? All ye nations. This is a psalm that is being sung by the nation of Israel, who is the chosen people of God. They were God's uh, elect people. They were those that God had put his hand upon. And we still say to this day that Israel is God's chosen people. We cling to Deuteronomy when he said, those that bless Israel, God will bless, and those that curse Israel, God will curse. We believe that. We believe our country ought to support the nation of Israel. We believe that we ought to be behind them and defend them and do all that we can for them. And I say to that, amen. And the Old Testament is basically about the nation of Israel. And it isn't until the New Testament, until uh, we read about uh, Gentiles being grafted in and we read about Gentiles being accepted into uh, the bride of Christ and being saved and being born again. But here in the Old Testament is a foreshadow of the nations, plural, uh, being called to praise the Lord. And uh, that is what is different. He's asked these Gentiles how to glorify Jehovah and it is a, also a clear proof that the Old Testament spirit of men differed wildly from the narrow and contracted national bigotry with which the Jews of the Lord's day carried themselves. That is a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said it identifies that there was a much more racist problem in the days that Jesus lived uh, from the Old Testament. They would not associate with the Gentiles in the New Testament. They referred to them as dogs. They wanted them to have no part of the things of God. They weren't invited to come down and, and worship with them and all of these different things. But in the Old Testament, right here, the psalmist says, Praise the Lord, all ye nations. He has stepped outside the bounds of the nation Israel and has invited all races, all nations, uh, all genders uh, to join in and praise Jehovah and to lift high his name uh, for not only what he's done for the nation Israel, uh, but what he's doing and what he will do uh, for those Gentile nations uh, at the coming of the Messiah uh, to redeem fallen man. It is widely widely known that the Jews hated Gentiles. And listen, Spurgeon also said that the nations could not be expected to join in the praise of Jehovah unless they were also to be partakers of the benefits of Jehovah. Why would it be that the psalmist would invite them to praise the Lord as they were praising the Lord, if they were to receive no benefits from God, as they were seeing the nation Israel have received benefits from God. It is a foreseeing of what God was going to do for them when Christ would come and die for our sins. And, and the Gentiles are invited to praise the Lord. Could I say to you tonight 
that we're still Gentiles. We are a nation that did not deserve God to save us. We did not deserve God to show mercy upon us. We did not deserve Christ to suffer and bleed and die for our sin, but yet, but yet he did. He went to the cross at Calvary loving us. He died for us. He did not just die for a Jewish people, but he died for the sins of the world, for this lost sinner in the deepest, darkest jungles of Africa. Christ died for them, for the lowly, for the lowly drunk in the ditch in the city of New York or Chicago or even in the town and city of Kannapolis and Landis. Christ died for sinners and here the psalmist says oh he said oh praise the Lord all ye nations get involved in singing praises to his name he's praising them for the outreach or for the calling of the Gentile Romans 15 and 11 Paul latched told of these words and again praise the Lord all oh, you Gentiles and, and uh, laud him for all, all you people. He said, those of you that have experienced uh, the goodness of Almighty God. Uh, listen, I don't know anymore in our country who's saved and who's not. I'm tired of guessing, tired of reading fruit and tired of trying to read people to determine whether they know Christ or whether they don't know Christ. Uh, but the Bible said that God uh, inhabits the praise of his people. Uh, and the Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Uh, and the psalmist has said, oh, uh, praise ye the Lord, uh, all ye nations, uh, if it ever dawns on you in a day's time uh, that God saved uh, your sin-sick soul uh, and brought you up uh, out of a pit and set your feet uh, on a rock and established your going uh, at some point or another, uh, you'll have to stop uh, and say, praise the Lord, uh, all to be in hell, uh, but he's Save me. I ought to be in hell. But he came to where I was. I ought to be in hell. But grace was extended to me. And here I am. He's looking for all the nations to join in praise and adoration to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. We know these things as Baptist and as church goers, we know these things, but how often do we apply them and do them? Now listen, over the years I have come to understand and learn that praising the Lord is not always with a big hoop and a big holler. I ain't against that. I like it pretty good. Amen. I'm for it. But I have come to learn and to understand and experience in the church uh, 
that it's not always the hoop. And listen, I've said to you many times, I, I never fully understood that whole running business anyway. I'm fat and out of shape and it doesn't do me much good to run. But people do that sometimes. But I'm telling you what matters is that from your heart, you see and understand that you deserved hell. And hell's where you ought to be right now. But the good God of heaven, in mercy and long suffering, extended his love toward you as a sinner. And he saved you not being absolutely no good in yourself. He saved you with no merit that you had to come to him. It was purely by grace through faith that you were born again by the grace of God. And friend, that and that alone ought to render praise and adoration to the God of heaven. Amen. Praise him, all you people. The writer said, having done it once, do it again. And do it more fervently daily, increasing in the reverence and the zeal in which you extol the Most High. The songwriter said this, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more that I love him, more love he bestows. I'm telling you, I used to sit in a pew. I used to listen to preachers talk about how the older they get, the more how they just want to serve God. And the older they get, how the less they worry about people and the more how they focus on God. And I used to think that ain't possible. That ain't possible. But I'm telling you, the more time how you spend in His Word, how letting Him talk to you, how the more time you'll want how to spend in His Word. How you'll want Him to open up another verse. And you'll want Him to enlighten you on another verse. And you'll want him to tell you what that word means and you'll want to understand the context of that chapter and you'll want to be there and be there and be there and be there and it won't matter to you what the world says and you'll just be praising him simply for who he is he said praise him all ye nations now listen that's that's a difficult thing to ask in our day. We've got countries that are flat out communist. They even still use that word today, communist. I don't think they use that anymore. It's not politically correct, so politicians won't use it anymore. But I remember back in the 80s when Russia was one of the world powers and all you ever heard was communist this and communist that, communist Russia, all of these different things. They've been called to praise the Lord. Amen. Hey, listen. It doesn't matter where you go. I can't even think of the worst place. I've heard some horrible stories about Haiti and all these different places around the world uh, about their irreverence toward God and the wickedness that can be found there. I mean, from voodoo and a flat-out atheism to all of these different cults and nonsense, uh, but yet the call has gone out uh, to every nation besides Israel, every Gentile world uh, that is out there has been called 
called to praise the Lord. I would venture to say that there's coming a day and it will happen when every knee's gonna bow and every tongue's gonna confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And in that moment, whether they want to or whether they don't want to, they'll render unto him what is due him. And that is the praise and the adoration and the acknowledgement of who he is and what he has done. And in that same moment, they'll have to depart from him and enter into the lake of fire. But he will receive what is his. Amen. He will. He said this, listen, I give you two or three more things tonight and uh, try to get you home. Amen. Listen, verse number two talks about his merciful kindness. Listen, that is some words that represent a steadfast love toward his people. God, through the psalmist, has indicated to you and I that his merciful kindness is great toward us. Toward who? Toward all nations. His merciful kindness, his steadfast love, his mercy and his grace, his long suffering, all that God has, has been extended to everyone that has come to believe in him and everyone that would come to him. He's extended love. I've said for many years, 355 in the church hymnal says he loves me. He he loves me. And I said for years, you can sing it whether you're saved or lost. He loves you. And it is a steadfast love. It is a merciful kindness. It is a merciful God that has extended love to a people who are unlovable and who are undeserving of love of any kind. And because of that, God has said, you ought to praise me, all nations. Amen. I hope y'all are warm because I'm hot. Calling of the Gentiles. Paul, Paul used that same call, but he gives us, he gives us in verse number two what one old writer from years ago, I couldn't pronounce his name, so I didn't even write it down because there wasn't no way for me to pronounce it right. But the writer said this, he gives us in this short chapter, a summary of the gospel. A summary of the gospel. How in the world did we see a summary of the gospel for his merciful kindness or his steadfast love, his great toward us, uh, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. John chapter one and verse number 17 said, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. If there's any truth in who we are, if there's any truth in who we'll ever be, it came to us through and by the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, if you don't have any good things to boast of and brag on that Jesus has given you, if you're saved, this psalm tells us that we ought to lift him up, 
extol his name, exalt him high because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here that love became real in our hearts. It became great toward us when the truth of the Lord that endures forever come across our ears, pricked our hearts, showed us that we were sinners and redeemed us by his marvelous grace. Redeemed. Redeemed. It is the summary of the gospel. Praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. One of my favorite praise verses in the New Testament comes from Hebrews chapter number 13. He said, let us offer a sacrifice of praise unto the Lord continually. He said, that is the fruit of our lips. Fruit of our lips. I believe when it gets big in your heart, it'll come out somewhere from your mouth. That ain't nothing more than praise the Lord. It'll come out somewhere. And I know ain't a lot of people shouters. Ain't a lot of shouters left in the world anymore. And I'm going to be honest with you. Don't bother me too much because I'm in another one of those places where I have to try to figure out whether it's real or put on. Amen. <laughs> I ain't into all that. I don't know who's trying to get attention, who's being serious, what's going on with all that. But there ain't a whole lot of shouters left. People say, man, I remember the days when people used to, women used to shout till their bobby pins popped out. Used to shout their hair down. Used to, that's all right. It's all right, I ain't against that. But I will tell you this, somebody's genuine in their praise. The tears are dripping off their chin, or if they're not, they simply raise a hand toward heaven and move their lips and say, thank you, Jesus. He'll accept that. Do you know that Christ has not ever turned anybody away that wanted to praise him? Matter of fact, he said, if I tell them how to quit shouting Hosanna, should I tell them not to praise me? Should I tell them not to lift me up? Should I tell them how to stop doing what they're doing? He said the very rocks would cry out. The very rocks of this world would declare him to be a Jehovah God. They would declare him to be king, a ruler of all things. They would declare him Lord over heaven and earth and over all men. The very rocks would have cried out. He's looking for the praise of his people. The hard thing for me, it's difficult, boys, I'm telling you, it's difficult to praise him in the bad times as well as the good times. It's hard. When you're in bad times, most of us are praying, God, I don't even know what the use is. I don't even know what we try for. Nobody's listening. Nobody cares. That's, that's usually the mindset when the times are hard. I try and try and try and try and it seems like you never answer my prayer. I've heard family members say, I've tried all that and it don't work for me. I've heard all of that. 
And listen, when you're there, it's difficult to lift his name up and say, God, you've not answered me. You've not heard me. Or God, you've heard me and you're not giving. Whatever it may be, it's hard to say, Lord, I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going to worship you anyway. I'm going to give you thanks for what I don't have. I'm going to thank you for the valley where I'm learning to trust you. God, I'm going to thank you for absolutely nothing today except being who you are. It's hard, but God's looking for our praise. He's looking for that. What is he looking for? I believe he's longing for it. I believe he's longing for our praise. He wants it. I wouldn't say he needs it because I don't know that God needs anything. He is a self-existent God, you know that. He'd exist without us. If he'd have never made man, he'd still exist. Doesn't need anything to continue his existence. He would exist. But listen, he's looking, looking this merciful kindness toward us and the truth. That's one of the names of Christ. It exemplifies a gospel that would come in the New Testament to save sinners, both Jew and Gentile, that would require all nations to praise him, all people to lift up his name on high. Listen, I'm, I'm quickly coming to a close tonight, but I want you to understand that praising him, all you people, he said, having done it once, we said we ought to do it again. We ought to do it fervently. We ought to do it daily, increasing our reverence and our zeal each time that we praise him. I don't know. I don't know, but if you ever taken your kids somewhere and they were anticipating, they were anticipating going they woke up that morning and they were so excited. And I mean, they were squealing and they, woo, can't wait to get there. I mean, so much you almost got ill with them and it's your fault they're acting that way because you told them we're going to Carowinds or at a Disney World. And they woke up, I mean, bouncing off the walls with excitement. Then you got in the car and you like to never got them shut up so you could concentrate on driving. I mean, every mile that turned over, they got that much more excited and then they rolled up the road and all of a sudden uh, they saw a roller coaster inside. Uh, they saw the sign that said Carowinds uh, exit so and so. And I mean, it absolutely exploded up inside your vehicle. Woo! We can't wait to ride this and we can't. Hey, it's a praise, it's a zeal, it's a fervency. And the closer they got, the more excitement they showed. We agreed this morning that we're probably living in the last days, living in times when Jesus' coming is closer than it's ever been. He could come before we leave service tonight. And it ought to be that God's people are more excited right now than we've ever been because we will soon see him. It'll not be long until the mile markers roll by and all of a sudden we'll hear the music of glory and see the bright lights of that city and then we'll see him for who he is. I'll not be able to contain that excitement. There's a few folks that I know that I, I just can't even imagine them shouting. I mean, I cannot imagine them shouting. But when you talk to them, there is an excitement in them 
about the things of God. I mean, they get excited when they find something in the scriptures they've never seen before. I mean, they get excited when a verse uh, becomes real to their heart and they want to talk about it. And they'll say, Preacher, let me show you what the Lord uh, has showed me this week. Uh, they may not have ever shouted. They may not have ever run. Uh, but I'm telling you, there's praise on their lips. Uh, and there's glory in their heart. Uh, and they're excited about the coming of Christ. Uh, and it shows in their life. <laughs> The nature of who mankind is is murmurers and complainers. That's all mankind has ever been since Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. Party animals and murmurers and complainers. Amen. Their hearts, the imaginations of their minds were on evil continually. I mean, wicked to the core. And one day God started saving people and it changed some things. Noah preached for 120 years. Glory in his soul. The only converts he ever knew was the ones he raised and their spouses. Eight people. Eight people. Now, I don't know how your mind works. Mine's a little odd sometimes. Preachers are weird creatures. I do not imagine, Brother Rick... Noah sitting on the ark, sloshing in the waves, sad because everybody else didn't get in. But I imagine Noah sitting on the ark, <laughs> rejoicing that he had been saved and spared from the judgment of Almighty God, rejoicing that his family got in, rejoicing that he had lived to see another day, giving glory and praise and honor to the very God that saved him. The same waters that destroyed the world lifted him high above the judgment. Oh, God, what a Savior. What a Savior. That same, listen, that same Savior that became the, head, the corner, the head corner of the building, he became a stumbling block to those that would not believe in him, the same Savior. And he deserves our praise. We're saved safely in the ship, safely in the ark. Listen finally tonight. Should have noticed the employment of the subjects that are mentioned in the text. Praise you, the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you people. He's mentioned the nations, he's mentioned people. He said he's been great toward us, inclusive of himself. He's talked about the truth, which we have identified as a possible sighting of the gospel right here in the Old Testament. Then he said, praise ye the Lord. The employment of the subjects is simple. Our job, what we've been called to do, glorify the Lord. Praise him with your life. Extol honor and excellency. To him, to him. I don't know. I, you say things like this and people, people immediately come to you after service and say, bless God, I wouldn't act any different around the president than I would anybody else. Yeah, you would. You say you wouldn't, but yeah, you would. You would. And uh, we'd act different around dignitaries and 
governors and we'd act different around those people. We act different around certain preachers because they've got more fame than others do. We act different around those folks. We're almost starstruck when we see people. And we want to make sure that everything's spoken right. And here's what happens when you say something really dumb in front of somebody that you really respect. You leave out of there going, what was I thinking when I said that? We beat ourselves up. But the majority, listen to me, this is, this, is, this is important for us to understand. The majority of God's people don't act any different around Him or His presence. But they will act different around dignitaries and presidents and governors and big-time preachers. And, but we don't treat Him any differently when He's the one that we ought to be starstruck. Why? Listen to me, why? Let me say it like the psalmist said it in Psalm chapter number 8 when he said, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Just a speck of dust. Just a piece of dirt fashioned and molded out of the dirt of the earth. He said, Dust we'd return to one of these days. Who are we? We're nothing. But to God, we are His children. John said it like this in 1 John. He said, Behold what manner of love that we should be called the sons of God. We're His children. If you've never been without a daddy in your home, That thought that's in my mind won't mean as much to you. But if you've been without a daddy and all of a sudden some preacher says that God has granted you the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You've been without a daddy and all of a sudden you've got a daddy. That'll excite you. That'll stir you. That'll make you want to spend time with him. And tell others about him and magnify him and glorify him and praise him for what he has done. This short little chapter, shortest chapter in the Bible, short little chapter has much to say. He said, Gentiles, all nations, all nations, he said, I'm calling you to praise him. What should we praise him for? He said, for his merciful kindness that is a steadfast love, that is a kindness that we did not deserve. And the psalmist said that kindness is great toward us. For the truth that endures forever, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got some things to praise him for. It is a Hallel psalm. It is hallelujah. Hallelujah. I surrender. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And listen, I, I try to be careful about the hallelujahs. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of different things in our world. When you hear them hallelujahs, you've got to be careful. They'll usually be followed by somebody saying stuff that nobody knows what they're saying or can understand. A foreign, it ain't even a language. It's followed usually a lot of times. Hallelujah. Be followed by some gibberish. But what, what the psalmists were writing, and these psalms were 
psalms of praise and thanksgiving and adoration to the Lord. To the Lord. It wasn't, it was, it was a hallel. Come out with your hands up, raised toward heaven, honoring the Lord. Friend, listen. I'll never, I'll never praise him like I ought to. You'll never praise him like you ought to. But we ought to go to our grave praising him as fervently and zealfully, if that's a word, as we can. He's been good to us. And that truth is going to endure forever. Let's stand to our feet tonight. I know it's very difficult to think, man, we ought to come to the altar and pray after a message on praise, and there ain't no way I'd try to drag you down here. That's just, it's not going to do any good for me or for you or anybody else. But if the Lord should have nudged your heart, said, man, you could be praising me more than what you are. You want to come and give him some praise and adoration, we want to give you the opportunity to do that. You may even want to come and ask him to forgive you for not praising him. Let me tell you a little story right here and I'll be done. It's been a few years ago. Some of the medication they had put me on for my headaches dried me out. Y'all remember that well. I suck on a bottle of water about the whole time I was preaching and, and uh, I lost my voice for the entire month of October that year. It's difficult. I called a preacher friend of mine, Rick Seyfried, who had dealt with losing his voice and and I said, preacher, what do I need to do? Here's what he said to me. He said, the first thing you need to do is you need to repent and ask God to forgive you for misusing your voice to the point that you've almost lost it. I said, wow, wasn't expecting that. Surely wasn't. He said, you need, he gave you, he said he gave you a gift, preacher, and he said, you need to ask him to forgive you for not taking better care of it. And that you're not more thankful for it than what you are. Sort of hit home. And I try to be gracious for what the Lord's given me. But listen, here's what I'm saying all that for. May just be we need to ask Him to forgive us for not thanking Him. That'd be all right. Whatever the Lord may bid you to do, you come if you need the altar.